and welcome to this week's edition of This Is Ibrox, your Rangers podcast. And tonight, I'm very pleased to say I'm joined by my fellow podder, Tommy McIntyre. Tommy, hello, good evening, how are you? I am very well, thank you, Scott. Good evening to you both. Special mention to Graham Falk, the sports journalist from The Scotsman, joins us tonight. Graham, first time on debut, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's uh, nice to be on, I suppose. It's been a while and while coming, so pleased that you still wanted me after all this time. Indeed, we'll go easy on you, ish. Yeah, I think should we not just put um, under on the actual you know kind of YouTube output? We'll just put the words "trialist." Absolutely, uh, that's right. That's, that's exactly what we'll do. Yeah. There we go. So, I think we 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 have to lead with the 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 Poznan game tonight. So we are recording this uh, immediately after the the Poznan game, uh, and we have to say it's been a a fantastic night for selfishly ourselves, Rangers, but. If you want to sort of take a bigger look at it for Scottish football, Rangers qualifying from that group as winners, playing against the quality of the opposition they've had. Tommy, it's a great, great night for the club, isn't it? Fantastic night for the club. And it's, uh, you know, you, you would generally say it's a culmination of the work that's been done by Stephen Gerrard and the background management team and the board, etc. and all that. But actually, we go into the knockout stages you know, last year as well. But to top a group with the likes of Benfica in it, you know, can't be overstated. And the results that we've got, you know, we've not sneaked it. We're un- unbeaten in the group. I mean, going away to Benfica, going away to, uh, I should say, Pol- uh, Portugal and then going away to Poland, going away to uh, Belgium with standard Liège, are not a bad side, no matter what anybody says, they're a very good side. Yeah. And then the manner of the, the victories and the performances as well. I mean, I think, uh, and I may have you know, tweeted this out on social media as well, that there's no better definition of, progress under Steven Gerrard at the moment than, you know, knockout stages, Rangers are seeded. It's that's the, that's the sexy part of the competition where people yeah. start to get knocked out and, you know, you know, this is, you're back from the nightclub and the clothes start to come off. It all starts to get a bit interesting. This is where we are and we're seeded in there. That's incredible progress and Rangers can really play football. Great result. I won't wax lyrical because I know you guys want to jump in, but a fantastic result. So, Graham, I'm glad Tommy speaking tonight about the just how well we're, we're playing our football just now. I, I felt um, we could almost afford to make quite a few changes for this game tonight, which I think everyone largely expected Steven Gerrard to do. But special mentions in my eyes for guys like Zungu and Eten because they've came in after not playing a lot of football but playing really, really well. But the one shining light, and it continues to be the case on a weekly basis, Glenn Kamara was like a different player tonight. What a player he is. He really is. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely superb. I mean, when you think how much you picked him up for as well, like yeah. that was nothing. Um, and he just fits into the way that, that Rangers want to play so well. And I think that's probably one of the, the big takes from tonight is you've made, you could say, five, six changes, I think, from what would be your usual start in 11. And the style of play didn't change. The commitment didn't change. The, the ability to play the way that Gerard evidently wants to play didn't change whatsoever, no matter that they had that many changes. And... In a way, it was a breeze tonight, wasn't it? I mean, there was that one chance that they had at the beginning. But aside from that, can you can you ever really remember Rangers breaking a sweat and them having the chance? It was just, it was, it was so simple. Um, and a game like that, maybe what a year, year and a half ago, would have probably been a bit of a banana skin. I think. Yeah. Tommy Graham rightly sort of picks up on the, the amount of changes we made. The one thing that impressed me was including Nathan Patterson coming in um, and playing which I thought was 
really impressive for the young guy to get in there in the first instance. Um, however, the guys that have came in slotted into the similar sort of uh, mantra that we've been playing week in, week out, despite us having that rotation. So quality for quality is a statement I've used a couple of times this week. Regardless of who we're bringing in, they know the expectation on them and they know the way that they're expected to play for the club. Yeah, well, there's a probably a core lessons of expectation and understanding uh, in terms of the, the wider squad. So we've spoken about this before, that it's fine having a, a really good starting eleven. What you need to be able to do to win the trophies, to win the championships, etc., is to be able to then turn to the bench or turn to your wider squad and say, right, not only do I want people who are, to, to Graham's point, which is well made, I want willing runners uh, who go in with the right attitude or to your point, Scott, of they understand, you know, the nature of the tactics and their job and their, their discipline. What you also, you know, underpinning all that, they need to be talented enough to carry all that out. Absolutely. The Rangers have really made the greatest strides here is when you do look to the bench and we've all got our favourites and we've all got people we don't particularly like. Brandon Barker, if you're listening, I'm still coming for you. Right? <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Right? And I'm happy to be proven wrong by Brandon Barker at any point in time. right? But the fact of the matter is we can turn to the bench, we can make those six you know, changes or whatever, we can bring in youth as well, great to see 65 minutes from Nathan Patterson, but we can also replace with youth as well, Calvin Bassey, for example. Um, but you can do that and there's no drop-off in the quality level. That's where you start to get the consistency that Stephen Gerrard has been banging on about yeah. since day one, because we've always been able to perform under him, but it's performing consistently, getting the results in the bad moments, big players stepping up to deliver big moments in big games, yeah. Walk away with three points. Just to touch very briefly, because a couple of players have been mentioned there. Stephen Gerrard, I think, after the, I'm kind of trying to make a little bit of a leap here, but Stephen Gerrard after the UFA game away in uh, Russia, um, Kampuchek or whatever, uh, region, yeah, yeah. I think it was, um, had spoken about that result relaunching Rangers, so to speak. We got a couple of goals against Motherwell, but if you're looking for a performance that launched slash relaunched Cedric Itton's Rangers career, <laughs> played in his preferred position through the middle, yep. dogged, determined, did the dirty work, aggressive in the challenge, took his goal really well. His running was you know, fantastic, opening up the channels. That was a real, real forwards performance. I was delighted to see it. Delighted to see him getting a goal as well. Big performance and a big standout from him. Graham, I think when Itten arrived at Ibrox, a lot of people said, and it's really unfair to brand players as, oh, he's a bit like him or he's a bit like that. I remember when he arrived, a lot of people said to me there was a lot of similarities between Itten's style of play and the big guy, Jekyll, that Man City had a couple of years ago. And initially when I seen that, I thought, that's a bit harsh because the guy's just in the door, literally just in the door. However, you can see where that comes from. I think... I'm playing through the middle, he looked very handy tonight, but when he's been used previously and he's maybe been arriving from a, a, a wider position, he, he, you can see where that similarity is. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it's a, a bad comparison to have to begin with, but yeah. it can do that thing where it like creates pressure. And there's a couple of times I've seen him and you, you don't want to judge anyone you know, too highly or, or too low. I think when you see people and it's been difficult for him because well, when we're talking about strength and depth, look at the centre forwards you could put through the middle. It's it's actually quite frightening yeah. um, when you think the players that you've got them. You've got JD didn't even get on the bench tonight, and you've got <laughs> yes, he might be thirty eight, but he's 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 still pretty tidy for his age, isn't he? Yeah. But I think with with Itten, I think what he did tonight with his performances, I think he probably just made people realise that comparisons like that are not that far fetched. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what you want. Yes, he, he came on, I think it was the, with the Motherwell game where he scored and um, got a, a couple of goals there. Yeah. And he has shown flashes, but I think tonight, the first time he's had a real good run at it, he looked like he could be the kind of striker where if, and, you know, we come back to it, no one wants anyone to get a big injury. And you've all got your key players. You obviously look over with Ryan Kent, Morelos, for me, um, Roof. But you do look at a performance at that tonight and you think, well, if one player did get a big injury, say Morelos, say Roof, and it, it was like a season ender, you could trust him. In previous years, you maybe, you maybe couldn't. And I think that's the same across the park. I mean, how many clubs at the minute in, in Scotland and in Europe, let alone just Scotland, could have an injury uh, like their two main strikers in Southfield, like a Swiss international that can score goals that he did tonight and Jermaine Defoe next to him if he needed to. Not many. Tommy, I want to speak to you about Joe Aribo and Yanis Hadji, who both got some some game time in their legs tonight. Uh, I would argue that both really need that. Aribo because he's been stop-start as far as his, con- his season has been concerned. However, Hadji because he has maybe dipped as far as consistency is concerned good for these guys to get the the minutes into their legs uh, I, I thought Hadji played okay he, he definitely misses that yard of pace we saw that bit in the first half when he was clean through and he just didn't have that extra puff to, to sort of take himself in um, good to see these guys getting minutes isn't it? It, it absolutely is um, he also took a poor first touch if I recall correctly he, did. he definitely he, did he could have got away with his lack of pace if he had taken a decent touch and got his body in front of the in front of the defender's run, um, but by not doing that, he allowed the defender to get round him. But you're absolutely right, he's a wee bit of the, the, the Gabriel Amato's about him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And somebody's, somebody's put a couple of weights in the back of his... Yeah, you're absolutely right, though. Your point's, your point's really well made. I agree with it uh, in that. But it's, a, it's an interesting kind of dynamic, actually just taking those two players, for example, that Joe Rebo came with some decent noises, but, you know, relatively unheralded, so to speak, right? But he turns out to be a really good player. And the words of Stephen Gerrard, we need to go with him on Joe Rebo because he'll be a very bit frustrating. Not Ovia Jaria frustrating, or Shane Yojo frustrating, <laughs> nonetheless. And, but there's no doubt that he's a, I hate the term fan's favourite, right? Because that, that can go up and down. Uh, moment for moment. But he's a good player and we'll do really well. I mean, eventually these Rangers will make money, right? And so he gets a bit of a buy so to speak. Whereas there's Hadji tonight, who I think should get credited with the second goal because Goldson's header, I don't think, was over the line. Yep. But because of some of the expectation attached to his name and attached to previous performances, a lot's expected of him. I think he does suffer a little bit. And it's not working for him right now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not giving him a buy on that. Some things just aren't coming off. He keeps trying. Best luck to the guy. Great striker outside the box as well. The keeper makes a kind of TV save for it uh, tonight too against Poznan. But... I think in some people's mind, and I maybe suffered from this at the beginning myself as well, so I'm critical here myself, is that because of his previous performances, because of his, his name a little bit, because of how highly he is rated, because of maybe that Braga performance and stuff like that as well, he's expected to do something every single game, but not just something like tap that one over the line, something that, that's memorable, that you yeah. walk away going, oh, did you see that Hadji beat, beat four guys on the you know the halfway line and then, you know, rolled it back <laughs> and came our roof. And so I think there's just a wee bit of expectation, but you're absolutely right. Stop, start for both of them. And certainly in terms of the flourish and who's got the more confidence, you would think it's a rebo. Haji's in a, a wee bit of a bad place right now. It's just not coming off for the boy. Graham, from a European perspective, this 
campaign has been absolutely tremendous. I remember when the draw was made and the the, the sort of the the teams came out, Liege, Poznan, Benfica. Um and I remember saying on this pod just shortly before game one that I felt we could win the group. And I don't know if it was a bit of bravado. Um, Definitely it, bravado. It, it probably was oh, bravado, don't, Thomas. Don't yes, you probably, Crystal Ball me on that one, you. It probably was. <laughs> um, uh, no, it, it definitely, it definitely was bravado. But I was confident that we could qualify from the group because Steven Gerrard has had us playing such a decent brand of football, and the, the campaigns previously have been good enough to to warrant us sort of claiming that. I don't think that. European football really expects or expected rather Rangers to play as well as they did for the duration of the campaign and now go into the next round Monday's draw as a, as a CD club Yeah you know when you look at like the, the season uh, the campaign sorry in general you look at the money Benfica has spent in the summer as well it's not just Benfica that are Benfica you're not just going like oh you know big name big side they've, they've done so so like this and that and the other in their own league They've spent a lot of money as well. Like, um, and I know money doesn't always equate to success, as we've seen many times. But they're not exactly struggling, are they? Um, and we're talking about like Rangers, you know, winning the group and going in as seeded and, and so on and so forth. But I think it shows an awful lot about how not just how far we've come, but how good we've played. Is the fact that we're actually probably a little bit disappointed if you go back a couple of weeks ago that we haven't done that Benfica side that has spent that much money twice. Um, Yes, I know one time was against ten men. Fair enough, but the home game was a, it was it was frustrating that we we let the it like those goals drop near the end. But I think, and it's all ifs and buts, right? It is very much ifs and buts, and, and football's not like that. The, the results were both draws, but if for like a couple of minutes here or there, or, you know, one bit of luck, maybe it hitting the post, not going in, we wouldn't have just won the group. We would have won it at a canter. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we're talking about Benfica being a strong side. Yeah, maybe maybe Poznan aren't the strongest and you'd expect to beat them, but it's it's not a poor group. You don't look at it and go, oh God, but at the same time, you don't look at it and go, oh yeah, we'll absolutely wipe the floor with that. You can be confident we'd get out of it. The truth is, for a couple of last minute goals or late goals, we would have got out of this group a couple of weeks ago um, as, as winners of the group and, and won it out of Canter. Absolutely. Tommy, the group has been... Um, quite an eye-opener it's been exciting to watch albeit we're doing it from home in our, in our armchairs of course but um, there, there's no question that being a supporter and being at Ibrox for, for each of these three games particularly the, the the Benfica game I think would have been superb for us to be sitting there at our chairs just taking it all in Definitely I miss my I miss my seat uh, at, the, at the stadium I have to say uh, but at home it's a series launch for me not not an armchair as, as one would expect Um with somebody feeding me grapes that I've loved, loved flown in. Socially distanced grapes, you understand. But yeah, I mean, it would be great to have been in the stadium. I miss it. I miss meeting the guys for a beer. I miss having a chat. You know, I think we all do, right? And that's not to exclude those people who aren't lucky enough to have season tickets, you know. But I, I certainly miss going to the games and everything that's wrapped up with that, that social aspect as well, because that's half the battle sometimes. Just just go back to the, the group. It's just worth saying as well, and you guys have touched on it quite rightly, but there's no barometer that you can take or would be willing to take that doesn't show Rangers' performance in a really, really, really good light. From the, the, the football we've played on the park to the way that the um, leagues of these teams are funded as well. So I was just I was thinking very quickly whilst you guys were talking there, 
Um, money's not the be-all and end-all. As Graham was saying, you know, money's not a barometer of success no more. But we hark on a lot about how small Scotland is sometimes and the lack of a big TV deal. I think we sit 19th in the European League of TV deals. Yeah. And you've got Poland at 15th. So there's Lech Poznan, second yep. in the last season. And then you've got 10th, Belgium, in terms of TV revenue. And then you've got 9th, Portugal. So these clubs are in bigger leagues, earning more money, being able to splash the cash really big, Benfica being the barometer in this particular example. And yet, for, I've touched on this previously, and this is why I make the point, it's a long way around the bar, but for Rangers in a pretty constrained market in Scotland, have been able, through quality coaching, quality analysis behind the scenes, and a bit of star power as well, with the fact that we're a big club and you get Steven Gerrard, to be able to put together a team on a relatively small budget that consistently, not one-off, consistently goes toe-to-toe with these teams, and that's two years in a row into the knockout stages. Yes, I know it's not Champions League. Fair enough, horses for courses. But that is a really, really, really big piece of progress there. And I know we're talking about it, but I sometimes think that we're just as a support, as a support, becoming a wee bit used to it. This is a seismic shift from where we were, and it's always worth labouring it. It's always worth labouring the point. It's good to hear the word punching and, and think that people aren't talking about myself. Underneath this on YouTube, please. Graham, how do you think Stephen Gerrard and his, his backroom staff will now look at the Europa League campaign moving forward? We're, we're streaking away in the league just now. Everyone can see how comfortable we are there, although we do. We have the awareness of the, there's still games in hand. Um, we now have a situation where we're going hell for leather in, in two tournaments, two big tournaments. Um, progression in the Europa League, and we've spoken about this in the podcast before, and I know exactly what Tommy's going to say, but it would be good to get your opinion on it. At what point does the Europa League and the existing progress in the domestic championship, do they overtake one another, or do we, we try and keep them as an equilibrium? I think... I think... Gerard will, and, and his coaching staff will probably be looking at it where there's no preferential treatment. I mean, I know he never won the Premier League with Liverpool as a player, but there's no doubt. You can't look at Stephen Gerrard and not say it as a personality and as a person, he's not a winner. So I don't think, I personally don't think he'll be, I think he changed the team tonight because he could. Um, I think that's probably confidence in that if the team you know, did finish second in the group, he still feels confident going into next round that he's got a first team and, and substitutes in the squad that could still get through the next round. Um, I think as a fan, and maybe people are different, I think would probably prefer to win the league at this point. Um, so I think as fans, we probably want that. Um, and and if you know if Celtic, or Celtic fans are to be believed, we've won that apparently, the way yep. things are down there at the moment. But Indeed. as we know, there's still games to go. But... Um, I think Gerard will be looking at both. I, you know, I spoke to I spoke to my girlfriend tonight when watching the game, and she says, "Oh, like who would you want in the next round?" And I, I openly and honestly said, "Not that we could beat anyone, but I don't fear anyone." Um, and, and if I don't, I certainly don't think Stephen Gerrard would. So, I think, you know, I, I don't think he's stupid. I think if it gets to a point where the games are coming thick and fast, and the players are looking a bit weary, and maybe we get a draw against, I don't know, say a Hamilton or a Motherwell or something along the way, he might say, "You know, I need to." I need to manage my squad a little bit if we're still in both competitions. But I think where he is at the moment, he's probably looking at it and going, 
why not go for both? There's, there's not necessarily anyone that I would fear um, in Europe. And I think you've got that much of a squad now as well that you could rotate, maybe not as much as they have tonight, maybe change one or two um, and still progress quite a lot. I mean, he's, he's kind of doing it a little bit now as well with obviously the Jermaine Defoe situation with him not playing him in Europe, but then yeah. bringing him on in the league. And I suppose that's his way of trying to juggle both. But I think the way that Gerard is and, and his mind, his mindset and probably his, his coaching staff's mindset is let's go hell for leather in both until something on the pitch tells us that I need to change something or do otherwise. Tommy, we could be looking at a really exciting six months for the football club. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a really good moment. Um, that said, nothing's won yet. Not entirely, you know, convinced and not appointed comment to either of you, gentlemen. But you see some things on social media, for example, where you know people are saying that we've already won the league and stuff like that. That's nonsense. That's patent nonsense. Yeah. And that we've still got a Betfred Cup final, big barometer again, big example with a bad experience in that last year. We need to go there. We need to get the first trophy under the belt of the Gerard era. Then you kick on. To answer your question, as you well know, Scott, anything that interferes with winning the league, I am not interested in it. <laughs> Although I do agree with Graham's point that the management team will be taking it. And I think the players are parroting this for every week. One game at a time. One game at a time. One game at a time. Um, the only thing I'm really interested in when it comes to the you know the draw and stuff like that is, well, not the only thing I'm interested in, but I'd be really, really hopeful. My fingers are as crossed as they can get with me for a draw that's been travelled, um, you know, short haul flight type of scenario or a you know down south job, yeah. uh, purely for the, the 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 jet lag and the the issues with COVID nineteen and having to do those protocols. So if we can stay relatively short on that, I'm happy. But yeah. As always, no change for me. League, league, league. But yeah, listen, if you came to me and you said treble and get really far in the Europa League, hey, I'm, I'm not going to knock it back. It's Christmas time after all. <laughs> so, one, Graham, I've spoke to uh, an ex-Rangers captain this week and he spoke um, quite uh, passionately about how fit the guys are, the squad are, how lean they are. And if we're going to be competing in four different um, competitions between now and me, that's going to be vitally important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, if you're in a, a certain amount of competitions and what if you if you play in every game across every competition, you're pushing, what, 50, 55, 60 games potentially? Certainly. It's quite Easy, a lot. Yeah. Um, and I especially think in this season as well, there's probably got to be a bigger focus on fitness as well because, I mean... I've I've been I've been lucky enough to be to like a couple of, of games this season. Um not Rangers ones particularly, but like around the, the UK and stuff like that. A couple of yeah, Rangers yeah. women's games and a couple of games down south in, in England um cover and it's exhausting just reporting on it because of the stuff that you have to go through. I mean, it's not just like as a player, I can imagine that takes up so much of your day and, and getting tested and all that kind of stuff as well. So that adds on a little bit of like oh to go with it as well. So I think, you know, fitness from from my experience has always been quite good mentally um and i think if you're in like tip-top shape you do feel good mentally and if you're winning games that's just adding on top of it as well but i think i think that will be probably one of his primary concerns i think gerard will be used to as a player what it's like to play that amount of games because although like i said before he never won the league with liverpool a lot of the time they were further in the champions league competition sometimes winning it further in the League Cup, further in the, the FA Cup, he'll be aware of what it takes to be in the best condition to play and he'll be able to spot 
if that person can't play the 55 to 60 games per season or whatever it may be. Um, in a way, I know there's been question marks on them in the past, but I, I've always said, you know, for a player's welfare, especially, and um, with stuff like this, it's difficult to get someone who's in a, a better position than Stephen Gerrard to understand, especially the fitness side and the mental side of the game in the, in the current current era, I think, especially. Guys, great insight into uh, the Europa League campaign as, it, as it's now finished and what we can hopefully look forward to. Tommy, I want to come to you now on something that happened last week. Uh, Dave King agreed with Club 72 to, to sell his shareholding to allow them to become the, the largest shareholder in the club over a period of time. I, think, I believe it's the next three years. Um, we're hoping to get someone on from Club 72 over the next sort of period of time just to give our, our viewers and, and listeners an insight into into the, the thought process behind that. What's, what's your take on, on what we do know indeed so far, Thomas? Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. So, you know, I won't go into any massive depth or detail because, you know, it's, there are other things to be spoken about. And as you see, Club 1872 are very keen to come on and, yeah. and speak to us and, and you know, speak to fans uh, as one would expect from a, a fans organisation. But essentially, at, at its heart, you know, Dave King's always laid out the fact that he was in it reluctantly. And fair play to him on that. You know, he still stepped up. And you're right on the... So he now wants to shed his, his shields. And some of that is because, and it was quite telling, he was saying, well, listen, my kids are South African natives. They are not Rangers affiliated. They don't have a love for the club. And I'm worried that they're going to sell them. You know, yeah. if I pop <laughs> my clogs, for want of a better way of putting it, which is very open of them, right? Um, you know, Dave King's very good at spinning some of those stories as well. It's, you know, one of his strengths. Yeah. So, yeah, he wants to make sure that they pass on in a, in a legacy capacity back into people who are Rangers-minded, right, and italics. Um, not a phrase that I'm massively a fan of either, it has to be said. And not just some other fly-by-night carpet bagger who comes along and says, well, I've got a big checkbook. There we go. So as you said, three years uh, Club 1872 have to complete the deal, and I think it's in total 13 million uh, to buy the, buy the shares. Now, that's three years, and there's some punitive, isn't the right word, but the cost of the shares goes up every year. So you don't have to wait for the three years. And I know there's a big legacy drive from Clive, uh, Club 1872 at the moment. They can complete the deal really early. And so that's why they're trying to do it within the first year. So I think in the first year, the shares would cost 20 pence per share. And then in the second year, it'd be 23 pence per share. And then in the third year, you'd be looking at 26 pence per share. So 23, 26 on average over the three years, that's 23 pence per share on average, right? Quick calculation there. Uh, and I generally did manage to do that in my head, so I'm wildly <laughs> quick. Right? It's probably wildly wrong, right? Uh, and that's actually below the average that Dave King purchased them at. So on average, all his purchases together was 23.7%, uh, 23.7 pence, right? So no matter what happens, He's taken a bit of a kicking on this for, for us, for the fans, right? Yeah. Now, some people would say, some naysayers, why don't you just give the money to the club? Why don't you just gift them? Why don't you just put 13 million in? Well, I think he's got a legitimate way to transact his own business here. He's not screwing anybody over. Absolutely. So, just to bookend that, the big things, so I've thrown a lot of numbers out, but that's a little bit of the background to why that's, why that's looking like that and why Club 1872 are so keen to get people in the door really quickly. It's because it means the best share uh, price for them and therefore for us. And they're looking at, I think it's £500 up front and then a £10 per month uh, legacy or £50 per month for 10 months and then £10 per month or £20 per month for 25 months and then £10 a month thereafter. You can go to their website and have a look at some of the detail around about that. 
the only other overriding thing that I would take from it uh, is that you have to remember, for want of a better analogy here, this is the upfront cost. So you make the kid, you have to feed the kid, right? Pretty, pretty simple, right? And so therefore, this 13 million is the purchasing of that share block. That means as, uh, uh, I think it would make us the single largest shareholders club 1872, that is if it goes through. Therefore, when funding is needed, if it's needed, you're going to have to pour more money in. So therefore, Club 1872 would quite rightly turn to its members or do something else, a legacy. It's not a one-off per perspective. Yeah. And if you're not able to do that and more shares are issued, then the share capacity you hold would be diluted. Now, none of that's a bad story. I'm just making it very clear there that it's not 13 million up front and everything's good. There is, as with any business, an expectation that your big shareholders would be able to pump in more money, which is where Club 1872 will have to maintain their membership maintain their income, maintain the relationships with the fans. And I don't think it's any bad thing to say that historically, Club 1872's relationship with the fans hasn't always been transparent, clear, and of the greatest. But I know the guys behind the scenes are making great strides and great efforts to, to bridge that gap. There we are. Graham, it's a huge feather in, in Club 1872's cap that, that Dave King has, has went to them in the first instance for, for this deal? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's, for, for me, and obviously there's a lot of ins and outs and there's lots of different opinions on it, but I don't think there can ever really be a bad thing with any kind of fan ownership in any way, shape, or form, be that 1% or 100%. I mean, um, there's another club that I follow that unfortunately has fell into the wrong hands, in my opinion. Yeah. And... Um, there's certain people that have 6% and stuff like that. And people have talked about, you know, potentially buying that 6% and, and those people will not look at that happening as far as I'm aware. Um, and there's a reason for that. So I think the fact that, you know, he has turned to them as well. And it is, you know, it's huge. Um, you know, why them? Obviously there's, there's reasons behind it, why he's chosen them. And that, that's definitely a feather in the cap, 100%. I think what the big thing for me is, I think fan ownership, like I say, be it 1%, be it 100%, is massive. Letting the fans have an, a, an actual say in the club, like officially in any way, shape, size, or form, no matter how big or really, really small that may be, is, is huge. Um, and I think that, that can only be a positive because fans, in my opinion, it may be a bit different in the UK to maybe somewhere like Spain or, say, Germany. But I think fans, it should be a more of a regular thing. So for me, it's definitely a good thing. Indeed. And, and as I would say again, as I sort of opened with, we do hope to get someone from um, Club 1872 on the, the podcast, even as a special, hopefully over the next couple of weeks, um, and we can sort of refresh things for, for our viewers and listeners. Graham, I'm going to come straight back to you. Last weekend, we saw uh, Jermaine Defoe make his 800th um, appearance in league football, British football, if you like. And uh, You've alluded to the fact that you have a, a second love, I think it's fair to say, and that is Sunderland Football Club. Um, Jermaine obviously has a, a, an allegiance there from from uh, previous years. It's incredible that he's managed 800 games and a huge testament to how he's looked after himself over his career. I mean, I remember when JD first went to Rangers, and I think he would have been, what, 35, I think, at that point. Um 
and before I did the job that I did, I used to work in a, in a call centre. And as you can imagine, the call centre is full of football fans of both sides. Um, and the Rangers fans, I don't know why, seem to like me a little bit more than the Celtic fans did. Um, Fuel that topper with the work. Probably the fact that I wore royal blue a little bit too often, yeah. But um, they they asked me about, about Jermaine Defoe and they went, oh, you know, can, can we get a season out of him? And I said, no, nah, you'll get like three or four seasons out of JD. No problem at all. Um, it's it's no secret that Jermaine Defoe is held in really, really high esteem at Sunderland. Um, and I think a lot of people look at the relationship he had with Bradley. And yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. But also sticking in a, a volley from 30 yards out against your biggest rivals pretty much gets you... Um, <laughs> pretty much gets you in the, the legendary status. But you, you know what it is with Jermaine Defoe? To be honest with you, he could have been not the man he was, and he's obviously a very nice man. Um, but say he wasn't, say he was the complete polar opposite. I think his style of play, the way that he, he was on the pitch, would have probably earned him that he was status at Sunderland anyway. So when he went to Bournemouth, I'm not going to lie, that, that broke my heart a little bit. Um, so the fact that he ended up back at Rangers within a couple of seasons was perfect for me. Um, I like to think that was my like my Jedi mind trick bringing him back. <laughs> but um, honestly, with Jermaine Defoe, I think it really wouldn't surprise me. And I think I think Gerard said something to this effect: it wouldn't surprise me if he was still playing when he's forty-four, forty-five. I watched Teddy Sheringham play when he was forty-two, forty-three at West Ham. Jermaine Defoe is ten times more in shape um, than Teddy Sheringham was at that age. He's just you can't take a, I mean, his finish, he was on the pitch, what, seven, eight minutes? Yeah. Um, one chance. And I think I think the commentator said something along the line. I think it was Ian Crocker, actually. I love Ian, so I'm not, it's not a criticism. I'm a really big fan of Ian. Um, but he he said, oh, you know, Morales has not had that chance today, and he's gone off, and typically it's felt the default. That chance didn't fall to Jermaine Defoe. Jermaine Defoe was in that place to receive that chance. Yeah, and absolutely. that's why Jermaine Defoe could play forevermore um for, for me i'm very very biased I, I would play him every single week um, until he's like 75 because i love him <laughs> but um i think you could get a lot more a lot more work out of him um, he's not going to be looking to retire anytime soon not at all tommy the importance of someone like Jermaine defoe is as far as his professionalism and just just how good a guy is i think as graham quite rightly suggests the importance of him in and around the team albeit he's not playing every week over the next couple of months could be critically important to how successful we are between now and May. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, you know, you take it in, let's say, component parts. You've got the fact he will come in and he comes in cold, but he can still get goals because his movement, as Graham was saying there, is phenomenal. The ball doesn't drop to Jermaine Devoe. Jermaine Devoe make sure the ball gets to him. <laughs> it's slightly different, you know. Um, and then, like you say, I think probably the, if I just tweak your question just ever so slightly. Of course. In that I think it's, considering it's still a relatively young squad, and it's, like I said before, I don't want to sound overly negative, it's one nothing, right? But plaudits, right? You can't spend plaudits at the bank, right? And you don't buff them to a shine in your later years, right? It's his reaction. As a senior player who's been there and done it, his reaction round about the dressing room to not getting picked consistently is probably the big thing. Being in there every day saying, no bother, Gaffer, I know I need to work hard. I'll be ready when you call upon me. Not, I expect to be called upon all the time. And then being in the gym, being a touchstone for the younger players, taking part in the academy stuff where he does the, the Zoom lectures and stuff like that, yeah. which we've seen recently. Those are the, the component parts where you say, there's Jermaine Defoe 
not getting a game. And I'm such and such in the squad, whatever. And he's not making it. He's no bother, boss. I'll be ready. I'll get my chance and I'll come on and score. Maybe I should shut my mouth up. There's a wee bit of, you know, healthy tension there that keeps squad harmony moving in the right direction. And if you've got senior players acting like that, people start to look up to them as well. And all of a sudden you keep a lot of that noise down when people aren't getting regular game time. I think that's really the important part of that. That was a big thing with Jermaine at Sunderland as well. Um, he, his last season was our last season in the Premiership when we had uh, Josh Madger and Joe Lasora coming through. Lesser than Joe Lasora, the better, because it hasn't really worked out and nullifies my point. But um, <laughs> Josh Madger kind of got in the team towards the back end of the Championship season when we were when we were absolutely guff, for want of a better word. Um, but during that kind of period when Jermaine Defoe was there, I think he took, there was a video on YouTube and stuff like that, and he took Madger and, and Asora under his wing. Um, and within a year, Asora actually went to Swansea for two million. It hasn't really worked out for him, but he's still a young boy, if I'm honest. Josh Madger is now playing in the, the French top division. French and someone, yeah, absolutely. Eh? Seven or eight goals. And, and there was little bits of Jermaine Defoe in him. And, and it was League One's very different to the Scottish Premiership. Trust me, it's horrendous. Um, but like the way he dropped his shoulder and just be in the right place. And you were just like, he's actually spent time with that kid. And Josh Madger was a totally different player, it seemed. Um, I know I know a few of the, the media guys at, at Rangers as well, and obviously, as you can tell, I'm very I'm a very passionate Jermaine Defoe fan, um, and I'm I'm not lucky enough to have come across him man to man yet. But I, I asked a few of the media guys at Rangers, like, you know, what's he like? And she said, oh, you know, what it is with Jermaine Defoe is when when he walks in a room, everyone kind of just goes. <gasps> Okay, it's Jermaine Defoe. Defoe. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like he just has. She she said he has this aura about him where people are just like instantly respecting him, and, and not that they, they don't do that with other players across the board. But Jermaine Defoe, because of his accomplishments in the game, the way he's carried himself, and the person that he seems to be within a football club, he seemed to have gained respect to Tottenham, West Ham, Bournemouth, Sunderland, Rangers, um, and I think it speaks volumes from. And I totally agree with what Tommy said. Him, having him in the squad and saying, all right, cool, I'm not in the squad. What do I need to do? I'll keep working hard at 38 years old when he's played 800 appearances across you know, numerous big clubs. Yeah. It just speaks volumes for the man and what he can bring to your squad. And he's, he's I think, probably more essential, uh, sorry, just as essential off the pitch as he is on exactly what Tommy said. Tommy, I'd argue that in 10, 15 years down the line and you, you look at guys like Morelos, Etten and, and Kimar Roof will will look back on their time playing at Rangers with Jermaine Defoe as critically important times in their career. I look at Morelos and, and Etten in particular because they're, they're that little bit younger. They cannot fail to have learned a huge amount from him since he arrived at Ibrox. Uh, goes, goes without saying, yes, yeah, it's, a, it's a, well, a well-stated point. If you are if you're in and around about, no matter what your industry, what your specialism, what your job is, whatever, right? Whether you're sportsman, sportswoman, whatever. If you don't pick up tips or go out your way to seek learning moments or whatever from people who are better at it than you, right? And let's be quite clear, Itton, decent player, Morelos, decent player, Roof, decent player, best finisher at the club is Jermaine Defoe, right? Full stop. Now, I'm not saying that he's better at everything than those players, Right? You know, Alfredo's more handful and all that kind of stuff, right? But if you're not looking every single day and picking up the wee tricks of his movement in the box, yeah. right? And that's probably one thing I haven't mentioned. There. Not only is he the best finisher, he's got the best movement in the box of all four of them as well. Yeah. Then if you're not picking up from that, there's something wrong with you as a professional. You get in there and you bleed 
his brain dry, or you just watch him and you see how he moves defenders. But I agree with you. They should look back on it and say, that was a great learning experience for me and a team. For all the reasons we've touched there, you know, the way you comport yourself, how to maintain your body, how to maintain your sharpness, not, but also just how you actually do your job. So we come back to the, the bread and butter this weekend and it's, listen, I can't lie, it's always nice to have a, a trip back up to Tanadice, Thomas, which I'm sure you agree with. Um, it's particularly nice to go up there and see that they're absolutely decimated and have little or no players, I think, ready to, to come up against us. We are we're going up there and I think by all things considered we'll be playing a, a youth side. They're still losing out on these nine players to, to COVID, which of course we... Um, all joking aside, we hope that all is well there and there's no one that actually has this awful disease. Um, from a football perspective, we will want to go up there and get the three points in the bag fairly early doors on Sunday and then look forward to the next game. Absolutely. You know, when I, I echo your sentiments, you know, it's nice to make jokes and all that, but COVID-19 is a, is a killer. Yeah. And we hope that, you know, you know, by and large, you know, nobody is seriously affected and everybody recovers well but as far as Dundee Dun United are concerned like you know City of Discovery or well, what we discovered it's still awful right let's get back down the road right? um, and with limited apologies to my my friends and, <laughs> and Dundee hello Dundee yeah 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 very limited apologies to them by the way uh, uh, it's okay none of them own computers so um, it's <laughs> or, or electricity but, but yeah <laughs> Without digging myself any further holes, because I think I need to go to Dundee in the next couple of months. <laughs> Good luck with that. Get on video. But that's it. You know, burn the witch type of scenario <laughs> is the JCD pitchforks uh, and burning brands. But you're absolutely right in that they're in a bad they're in a bad moment. Yeah. Um, they've got a reasonably um, youthful squad as it is anyway, and then you take out some of the key components due to the COVID nineteen uh, issues. There, you're thinking that we're going to go up and you know, give them a doing over, you know, with a nod to the fact that we're flying back from Poland, resting probably some of the squad, a little bit more rotation as well. Will it go back to full strength? Maybe we'll see what that looks like. Should we win? Yes, that's a tick in the box. Is it always nice to slap about Dundee United? Double tick, because it absolutely is. And and that's it. It's, it goes to my default. Get the three points, no injuries, get back down the road, making sure you follow the average speed cameras on the way down the motorway. Absolutely. That's, That's the three important things to play in Dundee United. That's it. Graham, I think ultimately from a, a Rangers perspective, we now, we're coming up to a, a stage of the season where historically we have put the brakes on a little bit for one reason or another. We don't have the, the winter break this season, so it will be a case of just continuous football, football, football. And in that same manner, you have to hope that the players just continue to look at three points, three points, three points. I think that the, the fact that there isn't a break, if you look at the past few seasons, is probably a, a benefit. I don't know from the, the players probably won't think this way. They'll think, you know, break or no break, we can still go on and win this league. But I think as fans, based on what's happened, you'd probably want to keep ploughing on with the form that we have. But you know, sometimes confidence is a big thing. And I know that it would be a big surprise based on the players that they've got out, the fact that we should go there and win. But there's going to be a point, I honestly think, at some point in the season where we do lose a game and the later, the better. And um, you don't want to be going to somewhere like 
Dundee United and, and drawing, say, 1-1 or getting nicked 1-0 and it's a big shock result. The one thing that probably would be, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, really. Obviously, they're missing so many players, but I was reading the other day, I think Dundee of the, the sides in the, the Scottish Premiership are the, the third worst, I think, if it touches inside the box. Um, I was reading a bit about Shankland and stuff like that and... Um, a lot of people are saying like Shankland this, Shankland that. They're not really giving them that many chances in the box. But the fact that half of those players that normally play for them, well, more than half, are, are missing. Could you get a bunch of like young, exuberant youth players that just want to kind of go straight at you? You never know. Um, it could be a, it could be a potential banana skin and almost like a cup tie when you come up against lads that will never get a chance against you know a Rangers or, or players that they're playing against and they really want to make their mark. So. It, it could be a negative in a way, but in reality, the way that Rangers are playing, the players that they've got out, the amount of players that they've got out, as Tommy said, it should be a couple of early goals, put it to bed, game management, maybe rest one or two players in the last 20, last 30, get back up the road with the three points. That's what it should be, but football is never as simple as that. He's here. Graham, before uh, I, I let you go for this week, and uh, I'd say now I'd be keen to get you on in the in the not-too-distant future. We'll certainly have you on again. I'm aware you do a, a podcast of your own. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, I, I am. I'm very lucky that my name is, is Folk because it presents me to call it What the Folk, which is obviously <laughs> a fantastic, fantastic film word, which was um, thankfully just presented itself to me, which not everyone has that luck. But yeah, I mean, um, predominantly I'm, I'm Sunderland and Rangers. I know some people don't like the two-team thing. I don't really care. Um, that's what I am <laughs> and that's how it is. But um, I do a little bit on Sunderland recently because of change in management. But it's mainly, you know, old previous former players, um, Going through their career, I've had a couple of, well, more than just a couple of Scottish Premiership players on. I've had Chris Burke on as a, I think, third episode. So it's a little bit back in the day. It was it was very much at the start of lockdown. He talks about, obviously, Arthur Newman and coming through. A little bit what we were talking about before, Jermaine Defoe, learning from the likes of, you know, Arthur Newman, Arvaladza, as it was and stuff at the time. So hopefully, if you've enjoyed my little mini rants here that you've allowed me to have, Scott, now and again in this one, hopefully people enjoy that. And it's on Spotify, Apple, YouTube and and other stuff wherever you listen to your podcast is probably there if it's not it probably won't be so i'm sorry in advance good thank you listen thanks for for joining us really appreciate you coming on this week thanks for inviting me it's always good thomas always good to see your coupon on the telly um thank you for joining us yes thank you very much graham an absolute pleasure as well and i would recommend listeners to go and check out graham's podcast i've listened to it myself so i say it firsthand so this week's podcast will be across all the, the obvious places for ourselves, YouTube, Stitcher, Podbean, Acast, Apple Music. Tommy, is there any more? I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe. Well, well I don't know. Go the internet. The internet. It's on the internet, yeah. Downloadatron, Bit, Pirate Bay, LimeWire, I, I, I don't know, Mobius, uh, all the old ones, there we go. Is the abacus one? Like no. Before right, we abacus. embarrass ourselves, <laughs> before we embarrass ourselves any further, good luck to Rangers on Sunday when when they travel to Tanadays. Huge congratulations to the team and everyone associated with the team in their uh, qualification from the Europa League group tonight. We will do this all again next week, myself and Tommy and a couple of others potentially. So that's all for now. Thanks for watching. Fire's raging, I'm shaking. You wanna go?